Amen. When the Lord called me, he said I didn't have to be a preacher, which is good, because I'm not. He said I just have to share my life, and I just have to live a life after him, and be willing to give him my mouth and my words, and to do what he says, and he will fill me, and he will speak through me. So Father, today, I give you my words, I give you my tongue, I give you my lips, I give you every part of me, Father, (coughs) as you have reminded me this morning again to take off my shoes. I realize that what I speak is before your court. And the awe of who you are overwhelms me. So I pray, Father, you do your will. I pray your Holy Spirit to work in this place to rest on hearts. Bring an eagerness Father, an eagerness to hear from you, an eagerness to know you, an eagerness to love you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read something from Lana this morning a prophecy she put out this morning from Australia. This is just a portion of it, the last portion. Double-mindedness will fall off. The Lord showed me in these radical throne, in these radical throne room encounters of seeing the glory of God like never before. I heard James 1, 7 through 8, swirling all around. James 1 through 1, 7 through 8, swirling all around. It said, and this is the Passion Translation. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? Seeing the Lord high and lifted up and the impartation of the fire of His love is going to so move upon and within your heart it is going to bubble forth a deep repentance within many of any half-heartedness, any double-mindedness or being disengaged and a fresh yes, a fresh commitment And surrender to Jesus will explode again. The place again of, I give you my life wholeheartedly. To you again, no strings attached. Then she says, don't fear the new place. I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't fear the new place. I saw a temptation upon many in these radical encounters with Jesus that are beginning to run away in fear because it is not what they have experienced before. 
It's so new. It's so foreign. It's so out of the box. I saw a temptation upon many to shut down, run, and hide. I saw many in fear of how can I make sure that what I am experiencing is God. I was instantly taken back to my dream and the garden place of intimacy and the Holy of Holies. And the incense that was burning in the center of the garden. And the Lord spoke to me there. He said, I want to show you something. And suddenly a vision opened up before my eyes. And I saw the center of the garden where the incense rose. There was a menorah burning and the word of God was open beside the menorah. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. The radical encounters the throne room encounters with me, the heavenly visitations, the unprecedented, unprecedented levels of intimacy and vision I've been releasing but am about to release in significant increase will be centered and grounded in my word. These encounters will be so rooted in who I am and the revelation of my word, a pure flow of my spirit will flow from my people in increased momentum. I am cleansing and purifying my bride. I am calling many out of the Laodicean place, out of Revelation 3.16 into the place of burning hot for me and my gospel. Oh, the beautiful wave of repentance that is beginning to flow from many as I realign my people with me as their first love, all consumed by my love and the revelation of the gospel. Where hearts have found other affections in things but me, where there has been idolatry of the heart, how the flames of my love and seeing my kindness and goodness is leading many within my church to repentance. The fire of the revelation of His holiness will see so much changed in the body of Christ and the revelation of our righteousness in Christ is bringing radical transformation and we'll see an explosion the fruit of holiness in the church, bursting forth from these deep encounters with the Lord. The fire of holiness will burn from within the church like never before. A people, an army of holiness rising up with the fire of revelation of what Christ has paid for us. Our righteousness and His love burning within our eyes and our hearts. Marching in unity, compromise, competition, complacency left behind, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, moving forward, decreeing together, we are all in. We are family. An army of no compromise, radical boldness, and faith extending the kingdom of God upon the earth. 
What is happening right now in the spirit is significant. What God is doing is so weighty. He is moving. He is brooding. He is hovering. He is looking for those who are patterning with him in his divine recalibration and alignment. Positioning his people to see his glory like never before. What we are about to see will leave us without words. But in total awe of his majesty and his holiness. Can you hear his coming? Can you hear the roar of rushing waters? Here he comes. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters. Ezekiel 43 verse 2. Yes, Father, we we ask for your presence. We ask for your coming. We ask, Lord, that you prepare hearts for this breaking forth of your intention. This breaking forth and, and literal breaking of the lukewarmness in your bride. You've given us a call to be hot. You're drawing lines in the sand where your love permeates. Where you show your will and you wait for those with that faith to step forward in your will. I thank you, Father, for your calling. I pray, Lord, that you do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 11. Again, I shared with you that The Lord took pressure off me. And He said, you don't have to be a preacher, you just have to speak. You just have to share your life. Can you not hear me? It was ringing when I turned it up. Is that better? A little bit? Let me step behind the speaker here. A little bit. All He said was that we have to live a life devoted to Him. Going after Him with everything in our heart. See, it's it's ringing, unfortunately. I don't know. I don't know why. Everything else is... um... I'll try and just speak louder. Yeah, that's not even in the board, so that shouldn't matter. I'll just try and speak louder. See, the pressure wasn't in the pulpit. The pressure wasn't in when you are before other people. And and I want to compare this 
I'll give you the example of my life and, and, and how he, he has me speak from a pulpit, but it's no different than how you speak to the people around you. See, he said that he would tell you what to say. He said that he wanted to be that outreach through you. So the problem isn't when you get in that spot. The problem for me isn't when I stand in this pulpit. See, it's every day. It's every day when we make the choices to live our lives how we live them. And it's funny, the conversations that I have with the Lord, because, you know... (laughs) Sometimes I feel like Moses in that, can you get somebody else to speak for me? Right? Let me just do the back, the back stuff. Because I used to be funny. I used to be a funny guy. I used to be able to crack jokes and used to be able to, to be lighthearted and hilarious. And, and there was a prophecy by a good friend of mine who, who really kind of irritated me, actually. And she said, you know, the Lord's going to sober you up. This was long before we were a church. This is when we were just beginning the, the college ministry. And she said, Lord's going to sober you up. By the way, Simanthia, if you're listening, shame on you. <laughs> but thank you, because that was correct. By the way, hello to all of those online. I, I want to say hi to Carson and Bren, because I know they can't be here this morning, because he had such a rough night last night in the last couple days. I also want to say hi to Mineta, because Joe was here a little bit ago. He was here for the beginning of worship and for for classes this morning, and he he went home to be with his sweet wife, and he told me they'll be watching us online, so I say hello to them as well. But Simanthia said, the Lord's going to sober you up. And now I didn't drink, so I, I knew what that meant. It was that he was going to make me more serious. So let me just apologize in advance that I'm really not this funny, jovial guy up here. Every time I get up here to speak, I'm like, Lord, it's like I dive into this seriousness right away. Can you give me a joke, Lord? So so if anybody feels led to send me a book of jokes, that would be on. I, I know, there, use it. Now make sure they're clean, okay? Make sure they're good, hilarious, not stupid jokes. I don't want to look stupid. I have. That's why I'm, that's why I'm clarifying. <laughs> no, but I, like Bill Johnson, he'll get up and when he, when he begins, he, he just, he reads a joke and I thought, how, how awesome. But see, I can't do that because he already did it. So, so, so maybe I can memorize a joke. I don't know. But this, this, my point is this, that what he has for us this morning is weighty. What he has for us can be life-changing if you let it. Because he's calling out to his children and saying, it is time, it is time to give your life fully. Because there's a point where that line is drawn in the sand. And the expectation, the desire that he has for your life he will have to move beyond and use you a different way because you've not given him your yes. Now, I want to say this too. 
There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that. So understand that what he is saying, he will speak through his Holy Spirit to you individually because we have so many different people at different places in their walk with Christ here. I am speaking to this remnant. This remnant of people that God has raised up to bring forward what Lana just said. Now we don't know Lana. She's from Australia. We don't know many of these people that, that we hear these prophecies of that, that are exactly what God has for us. In many ways, in so many ways, apply to us. But it applies also to this remnant. This idea that there is a group of people that God is setting aside to bring about His will. These people that have been through the fire. These people that have given their hearts to Him no matter the cost. No matter what they have had to go through. Because their desire was Jesus Christ. Their desire was relationship with Him. Their desire is what they can have in Him. That's the remnant that He's building up. In Romans chapter 11, let's begin at verse 1. I ask then, has God rejected His people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, and Paul, Paul's speaking here. And he's talking to the Gentiles, and he's talking about how Jesus came and fulfilled the law and was rejected by his own people. For I myself am, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. <clears throat> Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, have the, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your... And this is what Elijah said. He, he's quoting Elijah. Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left. And they seek my life. Paul says, but what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee of Baal. So at this time, Paul, Paul says, so too at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. There is a remnant chosen to do God's will. There always is. There always has been. But we are at a unique time in history. We're at the beginning of what we call the readying of the bride. For God to call His bride, His, the children of God, to come to a readiness to receive Him. If you don't understand that, it's said in Revelation 3 9, but the entire book of the Song of Songs gives us a picture of a bride becoming ready for her groom. The bride will be readied to receive Jesus Christ, the groom. 
There has to be a beginning to that. There has to be a remnant that God has set aside to do that very work. We are part of that remnant. We have a calling. We have been sequestered. We have been set aside. We have gone through things that if we were to sit here and just... Well, we are in a living room, but if we were just sit in a living room and talk... Right? And just say, talk about the last three years, three and a half years, and what God's been doing. And, and, and so much of it has been set apart. So much of it has been set aside. Why? N- not because we haven't wanted to engage with everybody else, but we have literally been rejected by everybody else. So we've been set aside. Why? Is, is it because we're just not cool enough? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> right, yeah. Why is it? Is it because we're believing incorrectly? I challenge anybody to show me in the Word of God where that is the case. Because the Word of God is our source. Prophecy is not our source. Understand that. The Word of God is our source. The Holy Spirit working in relationship with us is our source. So why have we been set aside? Why have we been sequestered? When you look at what God is doing in our life, and and I know that He's doing it in other pockets throughout the world, He is doing one thing. He's bringing or trying to bring into relationship people. With Him. Why? Because He will not do this on His own. See, when man, when Adam was given the authority over the earth, He was given the authority to operate in this realm. Does that make sense? When Adam and Eve, they were given authority over this earth, now then they took that authority and they gave in part to Satan. That's why Satan could do what he, what he could do. But man has never lost the authority to operate on this earth. It will be there until God comes and claims that authority. Which Jesus did not do when he came before. That's actually why he was crucified. Because they thought he was going to claim that authority and he didn't. He will claim that authority when he comes back. But man has the authority to speak on this earth. Man has the authority to do things on this earth. So God uses man just as Satan uses man. That's why we have a choice. We have a choice to whom we will serve. To whom we will be used by. To whom we allow ourselves to be even manipulated by. So God is setting aside a remnant that will understand relationship with Him. That will understand that that it's not just about living by a set of rules, but it's living by a love and a relationship that you have in a personal level with Jesus Christ. 
See, my relationship with him is no more important than yours. My relationship is no less important than yours. I'm a piece of a puzzle. You are a piece of a puzzle. The Bible talks us talks about us being members of a body that have specific function, none more important than the other. But each of those are critical because they're based on relationship with Jesus Christ. He cannot purely use you if you don't allow Him to and have relationship with Him. That's why I, I don't know that there's a single Sunday that goes by that we don't talk about relationship. Right? I mean, you would think after a while that that would get, you know, if I were planning my sermons, I probably would give a break from that. Praise the Lord, I don't plan any of my sermons. God does it. And so he harps on this idea of relationship because he wants to set aside a remnant. But see, there's a cost to a calling. There's a cost to being a part of that remnant. There's a cost to wanting God's will in your life. There's a cost. Anybody in here that has had a relationship with somebody else, you understand there's a cost to that relationship. When I met my wife 30 years ago, or 31 years ago when we met, there was a cost to building a relationship with her. What was that cost? I couldn't date other people. That was a little tough at first. I think I had two dates the night before, or the day I met met her. And canceled them both, because I met her. Yes, thank you. Kind of, I made the right choice, didn't I? But the point is, there's a cost. And then as we developed that relationship, as we got to know one another, as when she asked me to marry her, kidding. As I asked her to marry me and, and, and we got married, there was a cost to that. I couldn't live my life just for myself. I had to live it for us in relationship. As we decided on children and we had children, we couldn't live our lives just for us. We had to include our lives in how it would affect our children. See, relationship has a cost. And the deeper that relationship goes, the more costs there is because it's an equality of cost versus closeness. The closer you get, it is because of choice. It is, see, I, I could have chosen to not get married and just date. That was my choice. But by making the choice of building relationship, I got something so much better. I had a relationship that became amazing in my life. Right? It's no different with Jesus Christ. As we build relationship with Him, there is a cost to say, Yes, Lord, and no to the enemy. 
Because there is always an enemy trying to give you other options. But when you say yes to that relationship, there is that cost. But i got to tell you, it doesn't feel like a cost. If you've ever been in love, you understand that. You understand that love, although there's a great cost to love, the benefit from being loved, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it in the world. It, it, it's, it's like no cost is too much to receive the power of that love. That's how it is when, with Jesus Christ. I, I pray, I pray that people get a taste of that relationship. Uh, just a taste of that love, that unconditional love from Him that is not this over-blanketing thing that I, I, I know I'm saved and, and I can... I could just be confident that I'm loved and go about my day. That's that's different. Right? That's his protection. That's not his love. Because, see, his love is something that when you reciprocate that love, it's something that becomes very personal. Very personal to each one of us. My relationship with Jesus Christ and the personal experience of His love and giving love back to Him is different than that of Alexis. Not greater, not less than, not more than, but different because it's personal. You see, there is nothing that she can't experience that I can't, that I can experience. I don't take up all of Christ's love. Right? His capacity is to build that relationship in each one of us. We all have that same opportunity. We all have that same platform. It's just if we take it or not. It's just if we use it. But this remnant that God has set aside for this time, to begin the building and reading of the bride, they are a remnant that seeks Him in relationship. They are a remnant that has not only given Him their yes, but they have experienced great cost. They've been sequestered. They've been set aside. They've been set apart. Many to their own Understanding of it, we don't understand why. Do you have a question? Yes. Okay. I feel like I really want to close in prayer. You what? I want to close in prayer. You want to close in prayer? Okay. Okay. All right. I, I will. I will ask the Lord that definitely. But understand that this remnant that he has set aside, they're sold out for him. They have to be. There can be nothing else in their life that is as important as Jesus Christ and doing his will. I want to play for you a video and it's interesting because in this video, um, this is uh, a video 
that was sent to me. Some of you have seen it because I know my mom is the one that sent it to me. But in this video is a prophecy that is kind of coerced out of a person, which I find interesting because it's, it's, I think, I'm assuming it's Benny Hinn's church because he's the one kind of controlling everything. But it's a person, one of his guests that gives this prophecy. And notice it's tough for the guest to do it. Because I think part of the establishment that this prophecy speaks against is what Benny Hinn represents. But I want you to pay close attention to his words. Because God gives confirmations. And God gives greater confirmations the closer things are to coming about. So I I want you to listen to what is said. So it's it's permanent power that brings permanent mercy on people's lives. And what you just said is so right on. But you've got a little more if I can see it. No, I didn't hear it. I just heard you. But I can see it all over you. We are coming into perhaps the most significant day in church history. And there are a number of things that are going to begin to converge. When you talked about Luke and the signs, there's going to be a convergence of the signs, and with it, there is going to be... You're you're talking about an acceleration. An acceleration, and they're all going to overlap. And when that happens, there is a company of people... Are you hearing this? When it happens, there's a company of people that have been hidden in God for a season. They're coming out of hiding and they're going to stand in the courts of Pharaoh and they're going to challenge the spirits like Elijah did, like like Moses did. They're going to challenge the powers of Egypt and the earth is going to see a 21st century manifestation of the demonstration of the spirit, not from one or two, but from a many-membered body. God is is going to have the church of his dreams. All the institutionalizing we've done to the church, all the things we've done to try to make it our thing instead of God's thing, God has had the church under wraps for 2,000 years. Maybe that's why there's 2,000 cubits between where this generation is and the ark. Because God wants a church that's been hiding and prepared for power by severe test, severe trial, severe tribulation, every single season, and they feel like they're not going to be used, and it's too late, and it's all over. And that's the company that's prepared for power. They've been like John the Baptist in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey, strange food. They had to learn how to glean from the Word when they were just getting little pious platitudes from preachers all around the country. And they're being weaned away from everything that is contradictory to the powerful truth of the Word of God. And that company is coming out of hiding. They're going to cross Jordan, and they're going to move into a manifestation of power where there won't just be power on one or two. There's going to be power on multiply thousands and thousands. The sign will be Billy Graham's death. Wow. No, no, I'm being wrong here. You are talking about a people in hiding just like Elijah was hiding in Jericho. Right. At 
when he came out, he challenged the prophet Isaiah. We're right into the courts, right there. And the Lord's the same spirits. Oh, exactly. Those are the same principalities. And the Lord said to me in 89. Sorry, yeah, 89. He said, when all Roberts and Billy Graham go home, will be the key, will be the sign of the beginning of the greatest revival on earth. Oro is home. Right. Billy is a man to go home. And when he does, I'm telling the whole church, get ready. Paul, can we go there? I don't share that for the fact that that I expect you to or desire you to believe some prophecy. I share that for the simple fact for you to understand that the time is now. We've been talking about this for a long time. We've been talking about this, this giving your life over to Jesus Christ in relationship for a long time. And there's coming a point where He has a plan for your life, but you have to say yes. And when you don't give Him your yes, do you think that's going to stop Him from moving forward with His plan? It's not. doesn't mean you're forsaken or anything else. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. But see, it's, what he has best in your life. You can't hear me again? I know the buzzing is crazy. I don't know what to do about it. Is it uh, there you go. We need a sound guy. So I, I, I just want you to understand this so much. Please don't think that I'm saying, you know, accept his... His offer of personal relationship or, or you're just destitute. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a calling on the remnant right now to prepare and step forward and He wants you to be a part of it. But that choice is yours. That choice is yours. I want you to turn to James chapter 2. Father spoke last Sunday night and he reminded me that faith without works is dead. Faith without putting an activity to that faith is dead. So I, I just want to read out of James 2. Let's, let's start at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, first of all, let me, let me get something off the table right away. When it says, K 
can faith alone save you? Okay, I want you to understand what that means. That's talking about the justification of our sin. When we come before the Lord and we invite Jesus Christ into our heart to be our Savior, we become justified of our sin. We become cleansed. To the eyes of the Father, we become perfect. We are seen through the righteousness of Christ at that point. However, that doesn't mean that we are built in relationship immediately with Jesus Christ. That part comes, that's what's called sanctification. But where it says here that can faith alone save you, it says no, it can't. What that's talking about is there's an action required to your justification. Jesus did everything by dying on the cross for your sin. Raising from the dead, defeating death in that single move. He did it all. 100% grace. But there is requirement on our part, and that is that we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. We confess and have an action of believing that He is the Son of God, and that He came to this earth. He walked a sinless life as a man. He gave His life on the cross. He spent three days in the belly of the earth, literally freeing captives. Rose from the grave and now sits at the right hand of the Father. See, you can't just say yes without believing that. He's not going to force himself on you. So can faith only believe that? No. Why? Because what's it say here? Verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. So even in the act of salvation, even in the act of accepting Christ, there had to be an action of accepting Him. I had to make a choice that I accept Him. Putting my faith of believing who He is into an action of accepting Him into my heart. Do you see what I mean? There's no difference when it comes to relationship. Building relationship with Jesus Christ. What the Bible teaches us as sanctification. See, there has to be action with my faith. My faith of even believing that there can be a relationship. Right? I didn't know when I met Alexis if there would be a relationship there. I had to have faith in order to pursue. But I had to have action to get a response. I had to ask her out. I had to tell her I was so much better than my friend, who she met also. Right? It's lucky it stopped there. There had to be action. 
There had to be action with that faith. You can believe all day that Jesus Christ has a plan for your life. You can believe all day that, that He wants to do this or do that in your life, but you have to add action to that faith. You have to give Him a yes. And by the way, when you give Him a yes, I'll guarantee one thing's going to happen. You're going to be faced with following through with that yes. When you give Him a yes and say, Jesus, yes, I want this relationship with you. I want you to use my life however you will. Because I really don't care. You have a place for me in your, in your body and your bride and I want to, to have that place. But you can't just say yes. You've got to take the step. Right? You've got to step in that yes. You've got to add action to that yes. That's where it gets tough. Because that's the cost. See, the cost of me asking her out is that she may have said no. Couldn't imagine it. But she could have said no. <laughs> Kidding. She, it, it, all, all truth be known, she liked my friend better than me. So there. See, there's the cost. Right? So when, when you reach out, there is a cost in what you're doing. When you say, yes, Lord, I want relationship with you. I want to hear your voice. There's a cost to making yourself ready to hear his voice. I remember when I understood, and this was going on four and a half years ago or so now, when I understood that there was more to relation, or more to, to my walk with Jesus Christ than, than just, just being obedient. That there was actually this relationship. And, and please understand, by this time I had been saved for 40 years. I was not a novice in salvation. <laughs> I grew up in Christianity. I, for the last, you know, almost 30 years I had been in some form of church leadership. So for years and years and years, I understood about Jesus Christ and what He's done for us and what He gives to us. But He began to open my eyes about this idea of, of relationship and actually hearing His voice. Actually, actually hearing from Him. So I had to be open to that. I had to be give Him my yes in that. And it didn't happen right away. Understand that that in that relationship, you take the step, you take the step in faith. You add action to your faith. And faith isn't something that, boom, immediately you, you get a response on. Sometimes you do. Sometimes when we step in faith, we're, we're met with an immediate reaction but other times, and especially in relationship with him, when you take a step of faith, he wants to test that faith. And if you don't believe me, boy, read the Old Testament. Read the children of Israel as they went into the promised land. And, and I think it took them five years or whatever it was to, to take over the promised land completely. But yet there was a remnant left that they did not conquer they did not 
take care of all the peoples that God wanted them to take care of. Why? If you read the word of God, he said he didn't allow it. Why didn't he allow it? It said as a test to them to see if they would keep to his law, keep to loving him, keeping him as their God. By the way, they failed hugely. It was, it was literally the next generation after Joshua that, that fell away from the Lord. So see, God tests our faith. He tests our love. Just as His love was tested on the cross. Do you think His love was not tested? Do you think Jesus Christ, as He walked this earth, His love for those who were alive at the time, those even before then, and those that he knew were coming after, do you think his love was not tested? Read the Gospels. That was not an easy road for him. He had to live by faith just as we live by faith. But in relationship, you have to put action with that faith, and that's that's where it gets tough. But see, it's even tougher in the time that we're in right now. It's even tougher with this remnant. I want to tell you why. I want you to turn to Joshua. This will be the last last place we're going. Joshua chapter 6. Very simply, and Lord Lord gave us an example a couple weeks ago. And it was this revelation during worship that, that what he is doing to ready his bride does not look like the book of Acts or will not look like the book of Acts, but will look more like the book of Joshua. And so in studying that, in looking at that, you, we, we, and we won't read too much of this, but they, they, they sanctify themselves, right? The, because they told, God told them to do that. They crossed the River Jordan, and that was a miracle in itself, just like crossing of the Red Sea. They're, they're now in front of Jericho, okay? They're visited by the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the army. They're, they're visited by God. Joshua is. But he commands them one thing. He said, you're going to take this land, this land that I have promised to you. This is all yours, however. Verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not... I'm sorry, wrong place. Verse 18. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. What does that mean? It means the children of Israel were told that in taking Jericho, they were not to touch any of these things. Why? Because Jericho was devoted to destruction. If you read earlier, the reason for that, the reason why God gave the children of Israel this this land and this specific land, there was a reason. There were seven nations in there. There was a reason why he gave them that land, and it was because those nations 
had apostatized themselves so much. They did not, they believed in other gods, they worshiped other gods, they sacrificed to other gods. That it brought a disdain to the Lord's mouth. It brought a, 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 just this desire to get rid of. So Jericho was devoted to destruction because of what these people had done with everything in there. So all Israel had to do was not touch. That's it. Just be obedient. Just be obedient to what God had said. Just be obedient. And so they go in, they, they circle around, you know, seven days, seven days, circle around seven times, the walls come down. Great victory. They do everything they're supposed to do. Joshua leads them. Everything is destroyed, like God said. And then they move on to the next place. They move on to Ai. And then a short, a small portion of them are defeated. And without reading the story, understand, this, this really troubled Joshua. Because Joshua's faith was such that he knew in stepping forward, God would do it. He had no doubt in Jericho what God was going to do. No matter what seemed crazy at the time, he knew that he, if he stepped forward and he added action to his faith, God was going to do it. But now this next one, what happened, Lord? And the Lord said, again, for lack of time, I'm not going to pull it up, but you can read this when you get home. Get into this story later, because what happened was there was sin found in the camp. There's an extraordinary application here. Because this was a remnant set aside. These were people set aside, loved by the Lord, for a specific purpose. And God did not allow a single one of them to not be on board with His cause. And if they were, it cost them dearly. For at Ai, they got beat. And Joshua asked why. And God said, why do you think? Because there's sin in your camp. Go and deal with the sin. And he did. He dealt with that sin. And then they routed Ai. And I find it interesting that in Jericho, God did not allow them to take any spoil. Except for things for the temple. He didn't allow any spoil. But in Ai, he allowed them to take all the spoil. Why do you think? Well, in my opinion, two things. First, Jericho was first fruits. All first fruits go to God. But more than that, it was a test. Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to listen to what I have to say? Or are you going to take things into your own hands because you see a different path. See, Achan is the one that took the silver and the gold. He saw for himself a, a, a way to become self-preserved. A way to become wealthy, to have his needs met. And he could take it right then. But look at what it cost. Look at what it cost him. 
Praise God, we're not in the time of the law anymore. Because not only did Achan lose his life, but his entire family and all the animals that he had, his entire footprint on this earth was erased. That's sobering when you think about it. Now we are in an age of grace. God's not going to kill you for not giving a yes. But what he is going to do is he's not going to give you the relationship that you want. He's not going to give you and use you in the way that he could. See, it works the same for us as a group. What he has called us to, what he has set us apart for, is holy. And it requires a purity. It requires a yes and a stepping forward in agreement with God and telling him whatever you want. You know, I think if Achan would have talked to some of his friends at that point before he took it and said, man, I sure would like to take that. I mean, look look at what, what it could do for my life and blah, 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 and, and told his friends and made himself accountable before it happened. I think they would have saved his life because they would have said, wait, wait a second, that's not what God wanted. Be obedient to God because God knows your needs. God knows what you need physically. He knows what you need Spiritually, he knows what you need, need emotionally. And see, God can fill every one of those, but he has a pathway to do it. That pathway is obedience. That pathway has to be relationship. And in that pathway, there's cost. That's the tough part. Because see, we think of cost as loss. And yet it's huge gain. It's huge gain. I mean, this is a silly example, but but when you go to you know a boot camp or whatever, I, I remember going to the in college. We had three days for football. Absolutely insane, by the way. I I don't think that was of the Lord, but but you you go. We went to these three a days, and it's in the middle of August in Lynchburg, Virginia. Which, which I'm pretty sure, temperature-wise, is about as close to the center of the earth as you could get. And, and we're doing, we're doing three a days, two and a half hours each stint. First one starts at 5.30 in the morning. Okay, now I'm not a morning person. So that was tough for me. Okay, you go through these three weeks and, and literally you don't even get to hit. Which is why I loved football. You just had to run. I said, I'm not going out for track. But there was a cost. See, it's interesting because that coach, whom I can't say I really like, but that coach had a philosophy. He said, you know what? I'm not going to tell anybody they're on the team or not. Everybody who makes it through these three-a-days will be on the team. You know what's funny? We had full scholarship guys quitting after the second day. I mean, full ride guys. 
They're saying, this isn't worth it. And we had guys gritting through it, and we ended up having less on a team than they would normally have. But there was a strength in those guys that made it. They understood the cost was was a heavy cost, but it was worth it. It was worth it. In your own life, as you build a relationship with somebody, and you have to come to a point where where you have to you have to lean their way. It's called compromise. You know, I, I want to go to Red Robin and she wants to go to this place and okay, we'll compromise. Yeah, we'll go to Red Robin this time. Whatever. <laughs> right? You 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 have to work together. There's a cost. You may not get to go to exactly what you want to do, but you get to go with the person you love. Right? There's a cost to it, but there's a benefit. And the benefit is so much greater than the cost. It's the same with Jesus Christ. There's a cost because we cannot physically sit down and and see him and talk to him and and just grab him and hug him and all this. That that is done by faith. It's done, and I'm and I'm not saying we can't hear from him because we can, but that's developed. That's developed in that relationship, but there's a cost. See, this remnant, there's a cost. And it's moving forward in his will. But are you willing to pay that price? Are you willing in your life to put action with your faith? Let's bow. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord. I pray, dear God, that your will be done. I pray, dear Lord, that you make clear in each person receiving this word this morning the intent of your love, but the intent of your calling and the cost of obedience. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give opportunity. What we're talking about this morning is relationship. But relationship cannot even begin without an introduction. You can't build a relationship with somebody without first being introduced to them. And that's no different with Jesus Christ. Relationship with him cannot begin until... You have accepted him into your heart as Savior. And I just want to ask, is there anybody in here that cannot remember a specific time in your life when you believed Jesus Christ is the Son of God, came to earth, died on the cross for our sin, and rose again? When you believed that, but then added action to your thoughts, your beliefs, your faith, and said, Jesus, come into my heart. Is there anyone in here that does not recall doing that? Just raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Is there anyone in here? I want to encourage all of you who know him. I want to encourage you to pursue him. 
pursue that obedience because it may seem like there's cost, but the benefit of that relationship will change your life and it will change the world. God is amazing in how he confirms because he placed the exact same message on my heart for the ladies class which is really bizarre and even gave the exact same example I talked about your three a days which was kind of blowing my mind a little bit um, the thing that um, I just feel like it is is just on my heart that the Lord is showing me is the battle to believe the right voices because remember we have uh, we have an enemy that comes against everything that that Greg spoke about everything that the word says and I can imagine in AI in that battle um, the the man's name was Aiken and I can I, I, I try to wonder one time sometimes what he must have been rationalizing what what voices was he listening to 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 rationalize such a, a serious offense and then tell himself? See, because the enemy clearly came and said, nobody's going to notice. This isn't even anybody's business. This is your business. And what you do in your time and on your own is your business. Do, do you understand some of those, those cultural voices that talk to us all the time? Remember last week at the end of the service, I, the Lord laid on my heart to say, we've been called to counterculture. A counterculture life. We hear a lot of voices and we kind of, you know, the, if it feels good, do it. Or, you know, or, well, that's, you know, I, I they, that person might be my destiny. And the person saying that is married. You know, like things that, that are voices that pull us away from truth and purity. And that's part of what I really believe. Like when every time that, that Greg talks about the calling with ignition... I just, I feel like I hear those voices plaguing some people by telling them that, well, yeah, that refers to other people, but I don't have a place in ignition. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not receiving any particular calling. You know, there was a young lady who accepted Jesus right when we started the college ministry, when ignition started, who came from an unsaved family and who could have, after her salvation, decided to just Decide she was just bound in chains because she didn't have a family that supported her. And she could have just decided to make every excuse possible. And it could have decided to close her eyes to the fact that there was a huge calling on her life. But Casey did not do that. And look at now, she leads a significant ministry. She didn't sit back and say, well, that must be referring to other people. It's not referring to me. As soon as you say that, guarantee that's not the voice of God. That's right. Because he knew you before the foundations of the earth. His books were written about you. And what Greg said at the beginning about his, his calling and his relationship with the Lord is not less than or more than or greater than yours. And it's so true. All of us play a role. And if you listen from some distant seat and think that these messages only apply to somebody else, oh, you're, you're listening to the wrong voice. And you know what's interesting? We'll never, and par- this is partly why Casey heard the voice, is because she Took action. I'm just picking on you because I want to. I love <laughs> but I, I thought about that because the, the, what God's done in, in bringing this ministry to you, a ministry that did not exist. 
You know, because we often think, well, I don't know where I fit in. How do you know God won't start a ministry through you that doesn't exist? But she decided to take action in her faith and seek the word and seek prayer and seek God. And in that relationship began to hear the truth of the voices in her head. Because every one of us, I get voices every day that, that even ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Early in my marriage, I remember hearing the voices, is it worth it? Because it was hard work to take two strong personalities and surrender to God and to each other to make it work. That's why that's such a great picture of Christ in the church is what marriage is. It is no joke difficult. But the more I surrendered to God, the easier it was. The easier it was. Because the God's lens, and, and it took that for him too. If he was not surrendered to God... There's a whole lot of not real easy that it is to live with me, okay? So you probably don't... Should I say amen? No. (laughs) But instead, in a supernatural way, God gave him a lens to appreciate all the things that would annoy everybody else. That's what's so great. But you know what? That's what... That's what God... God's voice needs to be the loudest voice in your head. Yes. And so... I really think that that's the the lens through which this whole cost thing, you know, when you said cost is great gain, it is great gain. But it will be heartbreaking to see that, just like we talked about this morning in the ladies' class, to see that there may be a a generation that will be not going into the promised land because of the decision to just really not believe or to murmur and complain, to make excuses, all the things that they did. See, that's a picture of, of us. And some of them still hardened their heart. They still fell away. But the other thing is what God's about to bless us with. You know, blessing can cause complacency. Blessing itself can cause distraction. And I really believe that part of Aiken's rationale was that, hey, we won the battle. I mean, you know, like, who's even going to care at this point what God said? I mean, yes, those were all things we needed to do. But I mean, hey, look, at he gave us this huge victory what, it makes sense that this plunder is ours. Okay, leaning on his own understanding. It was, it was, he used us for this defeat and all this is sitting here. It's valuable. Well, let's just take a little bit. Not, not a big deal. We've got to be so careful with that. And that's where I have prayed so hard with the, with the strong words in Deuteronomy 11. Boy, don't let the blessing cause sin in your life, um, because the cost is going to continue. So I, I just, uh, I, I loved, this, this is so important. Um, you got to ask God to really open your heart to see what this means because, again, it's not this big picture. You know, some of us aren't, aren't having to weigh the cost of, of, of sin as much as maybe just hurts, maybe just thinking that isn't, is not profitable. You know, dealing, dealing with our stuff, dealing with our junk, which is what we talked about in ladies class, breaking camp, breaking off, letting things break off of you. And it doesn't come easy. It usually comes hard because the flesh is, is just powerful. The flesh is powerful. And uh, most of the time in, in women's ministry, that I've been in women's ministry many years, most of the time for women, it's breaking off pain and hurt and things in our past. If you've been through, I mean, from the nursery on, you can, you deal with things. And God wants that broken off of our life for freedom, for strength, and for power. And, um, and it's worth it. It's absolutely worth the work to let these things break off of you. So I... I, I tell you, please listen to these messages again. Um, they are they are really uh, a word from the Lord, and uh, I see that um, I see sometimes just literally the Holy Spirit descend 
on, on him to give him the word because I know what he's wrestled with up until that point. So um, praise God for, for the word that God gave today. Amen. Greg Amen. decided to get out of the way and let God give us a word today. And I hope that, that you received it that way. Um, the only thing I want to say by way of um, announcement again is the women's retreat coming up. Um, I do believe God has an amazing plan for this. I've, we've not experienced um, the kind of opposition uh, in really unique ways coming against this, which always, even though it's very challenging to bear, it, it uh, heightens my excitement because when the enemy is threatened, I know that God is doing